The reading is from John's Gospel, chapter 5, beginning at verse 16. So, because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defence, Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, they tried all the more to kill him, not only because he was breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these, so that you will be amazed. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honour the son just as they honour the father. Whoever does not honour the son does not honour the father who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. By myself I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. John chapter 5, verse 31. Jesus continues speaking. If I testify about myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who testifies in my favour, and I know that his testimony about me is true. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. I have a testimony weightier than that of John, for the works that the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I am doing, testify that the Father has sent me. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice, nor seen his form, nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I do not accept glory from human beings, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you will accept him. How can you believe 
since you accept glory from one another, but do not seek the glory that comes from the only God. But do not think that I will accuse you before your before the Father. Your accuser is Moses, on whom your hopes are set. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Some people start out in the Christian life believing and then seem to stop believing. Some people have incredibly complex involvement in Christian activities for quite a long period of their life and then they just seem to change. Either they give up suddenly or they drift out of faith. Is that a good phrase to use? They drift out of belief. They stop being part of God's people. They Sometimes they'll even say they are no longer a Christian. I wonder what some of the reasons are for that. I've actually been able to talk with some people at times, of course, about some of those issues. What is it that caused them to make this decision? Or was it a decision? Was it a major decision or was it a drift? You know, my own experience and the experience of others I've heard speak about this is that no one, at least in my experience and the experience of others that I've spoken with, no one has seen anyone give up the faith or walk away from church involvement or stop believing. No one has done it because of Jesus. That is, because of who he is. It was always to do with some issue, another person or an incident. And I'm sure there'd be many ways and stories in which we could develop that. But that's not the point here. What I want to say at the start is the central thing about us calling ourselves believers is the fact that we believe in Jesus. We believe in Jesus Christ. That is, after all, what the essence of being a Christian is. And the Christian church is based on that very fact. Why? Why would we believe in him? Why would we stand so strongly? Why would people for 2,000 years have persisted through hell and high water experiences in believing? One of the things that sometimes is helpful is to realise that the very fact of what believers are called is important. I mean, we call ourselves Christians in our culture, and that, of course, was originally a derogatory term. Those Christians, those followers of that strange guy from Nazareth. The original believers were called followers of the way. And I wonder at times if some of the um, modern people are right when they suggest they want to have a different term. They actually want to call us something that perhaps describes more clearly what we are, followers of Jesus, believers in Jesus. Terms that will pick up the fact that the central fact is Jesus. The passage that is set down for us today, which I know is part of the scheme of things that Mike's working through or wants to work through up until Easter, looks at Jesus speaking about his own authority, about who he is. He himself has been and is a stumbling block to people because of the claims that he makes. And people will often reject outright what he says about himself. But 
when we look at the centre of our faith, the centre of our understanding, we have to come back to what is it that Jesus said and did and what are the implications for that? When we look at this passage from John 5, which is down for us today, we can see Jesus speaking quite clearly to those who were around him, to the, particularly to the Pharisees and the other Jewish leaders about the centrality of who he is. And he was doing it in terms that they would have understand perhaps much more clearly than I because he referred to himself as the Son of Man, which links right back into the passage in the Old Testament where the Son of Man who comes is actually divine. Is Jesus God? Well, I would say yes. Jesus himself says yes. After all, one of the things that occurred even in this passage today is that, the, that those who were listening to Jesus, those who challenged him, who opposed him, reacted so strongly to what he said because they realised that what he was saying was claiming to be God. Just understanding that and accepting who he is is crucial to our journey and our continuing trust and faith. Let me read you something about a, um, an American person who once called himself a believer. You may have heard of this person. He's a, I guess, uh, a presenter named Phil Donahue, And uh, he used to have his own TV program for many years on American television. And in his book, Donahue, which was a self, uh, 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 an autobiography of a big bestseller, he's uh, able to say why he left the faith. He spoke about it in this way. He said, If God the Father is so all-loving, why didn't he come down and go to Calvary? Then Jesus could have said, This is my Father in whom I am well pleased. Now there's a switch, isn't it? How could an all-knowing, all-loving God allow his Son to be murdered on a cross in order that he might redeem my sins? Well, commentator that quoted that passage from the book said, Donahue's indictment of God's love comes from ignorance of the scriptures. For Jesus' claims of equality with the Father make the Father the sharer in Jesus' sacrifice, pain and love. As verse 19 of this passage in John 5 says, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. And of course, that's one of the claims that Jesus made all along. He always did what the Father gave him to do. John writes that he also said what the Father told him to say and even how to say it. Jesus' whole manner of presentation was one of skilled communication. I worked uh, some years ago, quite some years ago, with a man who was a very good uh, Christian communicator in the sense that many people asked him to tell stories because he was good at telling stories and he wrote stories which helped to illustrate aspects of the Christian faith. And I heard him once say, The reason that he told stories was not because that was his thing, but because it was the best way he felt to communicate the gospel. Because he said Jesus himself was the world's best storyteller. Jesus was able to engage people. Jesus drew people to himself and spoke to them in ways that captivated both their hearts and their wills. One of the reasons we call ourselves believers is because we have chosen to believe in Jesus 
And not just because of facts in our head, but because of our wills. We've made that choice. It's a life choice. I can remember in my teens, when I first came to hear of the reality of what Jesus' death meant for me, that I was able to say yes. And I meant it with all my heart. It wasn't just head facts. I'd heard them before. But it was a choice. And it was a good decision to make because my life has been significantly changed every year since then. That's a long time ago now. But in the meantime, I continue to marvel every time I come back to the Scriptures, particularly passages like this one in John 5, where Jesus is speaking about himself in ways that highlight the purpose for which he came and the way in which he carries out the Father's will. Like he says here, my Father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. And for this reason, the Jews tried all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but even calling God his own Father, making himself equal with God. And Jesus gave them this answer. Truly, I tell you, the Son of Man can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. That unity is a significant part of Jesus' ministry and life. That unity between him and the Father means that when Jesus was on the cross, he was operating in the full power and authority of the Father, carrying out the Father's will. Is Jesus worth following? Well, certainly when you see someone so committed to the task that he's prepared to die for us, And his resurrection proves, of course, that he carried out the Father's will in every way. He actually can bring us to life with himself. And within this own passage, Jesus again speaks about the wonder of being with him when he speaks about the Father raises the dead and gives them life. And even so, the Son gives life to whom he has pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Jesus there speaks about again the unity he has with the Father. He is indeed God, and he speaks with the authority, the power and the love of God to us through his word, reassuring us that as we have put our faith in him, He is able to carry out every word that the Father and he have spoken. Words that speak of eternity, words that speak of life with him, which begins now and goes on. Words which speak of freedom from guilt and judgment. Words which speak of total acceptance. Words which speak of eternal forgiveness and redemption. All those terms that we might use so readily, so easily, and yet... They are loaded words that speak of the grace and power of what God has done for us. Jesus speaks in this passage about the testimony about himself, that the things that he has done, the words that he speaks, even the testimony of John the Baptist, all point to the wonder of who he is. In order that people might not be able to stand back and say, well, we're still thinking about it, we're still sitting on the fence. Well, the Pharisees, of course, knew that they weren't sitting on any fences. They weren't just kind of hovering. They'd made their decision. They weren't going to believe him. 
but many others did, of course. And since then, throughout 2,000 years, people have continued to. Billions, in fact, continue to come and realise that the words that Jesus speaks and the works that he has done are works and words of God. He comes and speaks with the authority of God and not just one of the many gods of our culture or the many gods in people's minds or writings, but the God of the universe, the God who is above all, the one true God. There is only one, isn't there? One who made everything. The one who created us. The one who knows us better than we know ourselves. The one who speaks to us even through this word and says, here is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Jesus says he does not accept glory from human beings, but he knows that humans do. He said he didn't come to glorify himself, but he did come in order that he might bring glory to the Father by bringing people to the Father, by bringing those who choose to believe. It's an amazing thought to think that God works this way. It's amazing to think that he still continues to speak to a world that really doesn't always want to listen. As to how we communicate still the wonders of what Jesus has done, it's a challenge to us at times to know how to present our faith, our belief, the word in words that will be helpful and encouraging, particularly in such an atheistic society in which we live. One of the things that is really crucial is to remember that we aren't having to defend the church or anything about our history. We don't have to try to defend decisions that other people have made. And we don't have to defend God. What Jesus asks us to do is believe. After all, he said, uh, the work that God requires is that we continue to believe in him, that we continue to believe who he is. It's good to be able to thank him and remind ourselves every day that he is God, that he is the one who loves us, who died for us, and who has promised to bring us to be with himself. He is the one who offers us all that heaven has. And we begin to share it in this life, of course, in some ways, but we wait for the fulfilment. We wait for the days when everything is revealed in its fullness and we will enjoy his presence. But to be able to celebrate his presence with us each day is crucial to just keeping on walking with him, keeping on trusting, loving him, accepting who he is. Well, that is what he asks us to do. He says, believe, keep on believing. It's interesting at the end of John's Gospel, when John writes his summary chapter at the end, and he said, I write these things that you may keep on believing that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. John wanted to encourage people to not go off searching for other things or not just go waffly and wavy and let other things distract them and draw them away, but to keep on believing that Jesus, the authoritative one, has spoken the words of life that bring us to himself. He is at pains here to point out to his detractors 
But he has an authority that is way above theirs, for he speaks with the authority of the Father who sent him. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a believer, then I'm glad that you can listen to this and I trust that you are rejoicing that you know this Jesus. And if you're not, then maybe you should take the time to get to know him and talk to people near you who might be able to say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I may not have all the answers to everybody's questions, but I believe he is the one with the authority that only God has to say the things he says that bring life. And I pray for us all today that we will continue to love him, to trust him, and to know the joy and peace that comes, no matter what life circumstances around us might be, to know that joy and peace that comes from being with him every day. God bless you.